Hello and welcome to the Painless Podcast. It's Chris Hartwig here from Painless Networking. Check out www.painless.network for more on taking the pain out of networking. The idea for these Painless Podcasts is pretty simple, just uh, connecting with good human beings who are in or around sports and event marketing. Not just sound bites, but smart, interesting, generous folks sharing with us how and why they've reached the success they've had and how and why networking and mentoring have shaped their careers. One sec before we hear about today's guest, David Ladd, VP at Stats in Chicago, we need to thank our sponsor for making the podcast possible. If you haven't listened to episode four of the Painless Pod with Chris Reuter, he's the CEO of Spikeball. Uh, get that one next in your feed. It's great stuff from Chris about restarting Spikeball and in about five years, turning it into a $7 million a year business. It's amazing uh, with some great culture too. Great people there. Heads up though, that uh, if you're interested in the game at all, Spikeball Nationals are coming to Chicago October 14th. Don't just come and watch, but uh, join the fun. A special offer to Painless members and podcast listeners. You can save 50% on registration with the code PAINLESS. The full link is in the pod description, or you can get there simply via www.usaspikeball.com. One more quick note, huge start last Thursday with the Fade Away podcast featuring all-time Illini basketball great Dion Thomas and veteran reporter and host Eric Schmidt. Episode one is a catch-up with Dion, and episode two is a terrific conversation with Dion, Eric, and Illinois coaching legend and Hall of Famer Lou Henson. Check out the Painless feed for both of those as well. Great numbers to start off with there. All right, David Latt. We're going to talk data, sports tech, uh, talk more of a uh, take more of a uh, sales and, and biz dev angle than we have typically, uh, but still very interesting conversation. David, uh, Chicago area native, grew up in Wheaton, learned the ropes at IBM, and then spent 10 years building a data tech startup, Twin Technologies. As he says, he's the last one in his family to get to sports. The one day um, stats had caught his attention, um, let's just say in the bathroom. You'll have to listen to get more on that. We talk about combining selling and marketing and with what teams and coaches want and need with sports tech, how to get hired on David's team. He's hiring, pay attention. Uh, beauty of Vinnie Johnson's irrational confidence and taking and making a complex sports data and turning it into essential teaching tools for athletes. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, smell the glove. Our first spinal tap reference is in here as well. Love it. Connect with David on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Lad with two Ds. He's also active on Twitter at Jedi underscore Ditka. There you go, Chicagoans. Uh, while Stats tweets at uh, Stats underscore Insights, the URL for them is www.stats.com. We'll talk about how much Stats is growing. Interested after hearing David, the uh, site, go to the careers tab, stats.com slash careers. I spotted this morning 29 open positions with them, including 27 in Chicago. All right, enough yakking. Recorded August 9th. Let's get connected with David Ladd. From the offices of Stats LLC in Chicago's Loop, welcome to the Painless Podcast to David Ladd. Welcome, David. Hey, Chris. Happy to be here, and welcome to Stats. Yes, it's lovely new offices down downtown at uh, 203 North LaSalle. Got a nice tour today. Been here a couple times. You guys are busy, growing like crazy. Tell us a little bit about your what's your title, what's your current role here with Stats. Sure. So we're nine months into this beautiful new facility, downtown Chicago, in the loop with all the modern trappings that your millennial would aspire to and, uh, and looking to continue to, to grow and build 
uh, what has been an industry leader in the sports data space for 36 years. And uh, I'm 18 months in here at Stats. I lead our North American business. And uh, all that that means is I'm responsible from a business development, from a sales standpoint, uh, for the people that sell sports data and content and software everywhere that sports is consumed in North America. And for us, that's across digital media partners, that's within fantasy, that's to broadcasters uh, and to brands and to teams. So there's a lot living so there, but that's it's that's easier to tell us for. who you don't sell to. That well, yeah. <laughs> right now uh, <laughs> I'm always under a quota, right? And right. So there's always somebody that we're not selling to, but yeah, we're very fortunate. We've been a an industry leader for a long time, and I imagine we'll probably get into some of the stats history and and where we're going as well. Uh, but uh, very fortunate to be in a space where we're recognized as as the authoritative voice uh, in telling the history of sports and uh, and hopefully the voice telling the right now and where it's going of sports as well. Yeah. How, how many, how big is stats? How many, uh, there's a bunch of different offices these days and how, how many roughly employees and offices are you guys at now? So we are uh, entering this year. We had 12 offices worldwide. We have three here uh, in North America. This is headquarters worldwide here in Chicago, and we have 400-ish here uh, downtown with us. We're building out the floor above us that you're sitting in uh, as well, bringing down uh, more people. We're hiring a bunch as well. Uh, and then we've got another nine offices around the world uh, with another 400 or so. Uh, so a total population just under 1,000. Uh, very much in a growth stage, owned by Vista Equity Partners okay. uh, for the past two and a half years. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's a thing. It's a great thing when you imagine private equity and what that does uh, to an organization. Uh, Vista is, is a bit different in that they are not afraid to plow money and resources in terms of leadership into an organization to help expedite growth. And we've certainly seen a lot of that. And we are in a a healthy growth phase. So they're not just uh, squeezing every well, that happens, drop out. That happens too. But, but they're uh, putting money back that's in right. to make that happen. So that, that's that, a good that's, thing. That's right. There's a bit of cleansing in order to allow for new growth. All right. So we'll, and we'll get back to that of where all uh, and some of the really cool stuff that Stats is involved with today. You just mentioned you've only been here about 18 months. Let's go back then. You know, what's, what's your background? How did you, were you drawn to and been in and around sports? Have you, is it data? Is it yeah. some other totally random story? Like where, where'd you grow up and yeah. go to college and things like that? So I'm a Scorpio. Uh, <laughs> that's going way back. Uh, no, so I've always been uh, in and around sports. I'm the last one to get into sports in my family. Father was an athletic director for 35 years. Brother-in-law is oh, director wow. of football operations at Northwestern. Uh, is where he's at now, but he's done the whole tour of assistant coaching. Uh, and, you know, sisters were in the Olympic badminton program. Uh, I was an athlete in high school, but then sort of gave it up in college so that I could be a college bum. You were not an Olympic athlete? I was not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I could still beat them in anything, but uh -huh. they, they were in the Olympic development program, and I was not. I'm going to wait for their, them to listen to this pod and get back to me with the truth. That they 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 probably will. Uh, <laughs> we're a competitive family for sure. So drawn to sports. Where drawn, was your dad the AD? Wheaton College for many many oh, years. Okay. So grew okay. up here local in Wheaton. That's also why I ended up going to Wheaton for an undergrad. 
uh, later on retired, unretired, went to Trinity University to do the same thing, and has now retired again. Um, but technology's always been a thing for me as well, uh, and that's where I started. So post-undergrad at Wheaton, uh, the buddy that I roomed with was uh, a part of the IBM family. His father was an IBMer for many, many years, and just through getting to know that individual and building a relationship got me in the door at IBM, started out in a call center in Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> met my wife there day one on the job. Uh, here I am, this sheltered Midwestern the boy <laughs> going into our elevator to sign W-2 paperwork on the very first day. And the last one in the elevator doors is this hot blonde in five inch heels with a uh, neck to, to toes pink business suit. I'd never seen anything like this before in my life. We went out that Friday to ESPN Zone, uh, married nine months later, and 17 years later, uh, I convinced her to come to Chicago, and uh, here we are. <laughs> but yeah, did, did the whole uh, IBM sales journey for a little while, started out in the call center, 100 calls a day, uh, selling everything, hardware, software, services in the IBM portfolio, graduated to the field uh, to take over a territory in New York. They moved us up there at the time, spent four years doing that. Met somebody uh, through the church softball league uh, who had crashed and burned his first company at the age of 21, built it up to 50 million, took it all the way down to nothing Wow! and said, yeah, I'd like to do it again. And was convincing enough uh, from his background and what he and his capabilities. You were listening to the up to 50 part, not the down to nothing the, the, part, this I is guess. Maybe post softball game at the bar. <laughs> I've wasn't entirely listening. Maybe I'm coming off of a bad quote a week at IBM. I don't know what it was. Uh, really smart guy, technically super gifted. Uh, and so we started something out of his basement where uh, it was t a technology consulting company where uh, this is 2005 at the time. So the mobile, the dawning of the mobile and the digital age was here. And he had a bit of a name from the previous company. Uh, and so we started, we were able to get indoors and, and work with established blue chip companies that were looking to take old enterprise legacy things like State Farm uh, auto application and take it from an old green screen and paper-based legacy model into the digital age. So make it mobile friendly and web friendly and millennial friendly. And so we did a lot of that over 10 years. Uh, and had a lot of success, growing it to about 75 people, and it's still a thing. He's still owning, uh, not owning, I guess owning is the true technical term, but uh, leading this child now through college, but once it got to college age, it was 10 years, and uh, I started looking for something, some other challenge, something different, and then here I And that's stats. how you ended up here. That's how I ended up at Stats. What was the tie, did... Uh, you know, do you have connections here? Mm -hmm. Were you interested in the company? Is it a you ended up sitting next to somebody on an airplane? I mean, like, what's the story? To, it's to a bit more personal. So uh, I was in the Lou at the time, and reading in the Lou, it was October of 2015. Sports Illustrated, uh, and there was a Sports Illustrated 50th year anniversary article around technology and the impact it had on sports and. Stats was featured in that article. It was, uh, you know, Blue Jays were on the cover. I still have kept this Sports Illustrated issue. And uh, it got me thinking about, geez, I'm in Chicago. I love sports and technology. Of course, I know stats, and they're here in Chicago. And uh, I'm hugely into relationships and networking. And my wife works at, at LinkedIn. And uh, so to an 
support her. I've got into LinkedIn and, and sure enough, there's a couple of statsers in my network. And so reached out and started flirting and they started flirting back. And a couple months later, there was something that, uh, you know, they invited me to step into and I jumped at it. So you came on board in January of 16, yes. I believe, right? And you've moved up, you've been promoted to to VP. How has your role changed or what have you added or or changed since you came on board? It, it's definitely added. It's a bigger quota number, but it's still sales. Uh, it's when it, when I was first brought on board, I was uh, asked to lead our teams and our brands business. So I mentioned a few other things that we were selling to here in North America uh, before. And so then with uh, you know the recent um, you know ad a few months ago, I've taken on those areas of business that I'm responsible for as well. Okay. And how many people total are un- under your? Uh Umbrella now. We are actively hiring. I am looking for uh, excitable, charismatic, motivated, uh, sales-capable individuals to fill out a team. Uh, I don't have nearly enough at the moment. Really? Uh, so, and when you're looking, I think that that's. I'm sure people listening then would be like, okay, so you know, that's me. What do I need to do? That's right. What What are you looking for? Do you, they have to have some kind of experience? Does it have to be yeah. sales experience? What's what you know? How How are people standing out? I think it, that's what people would be listening would want to know. Sure, it, it depends on the role and it depends on the vertical in which we're selling. Uh, we've worked with some teams with some digital media companies for a really long time and they're established and I'd be looking for somebody that's got a little bit of sales experience um, to to come to the door with. But I'm also looking for, this is your first gig. And um, you know, outside of the experience standpoint, the other attributes that I'm looking for are, are the same. So from a capabilities standpoint, uh, from a motivation standpoint, and then from a charisma especially standpoint. Sales is storytelling and uh, especially when you're in a space like ours that's changing so quickly. But a lot of what we have, dare I say, is getting to be commoditized quickly. And when you're selling a commoditized product in any way, if it's a car or if it's a utility or if it's you know, where you get your groceries, you're going to buy from that brand or that person that you believe in, that you like, that's telling you a story that you want to listen to. And so charisma is far and away... That, uh, that tipping point attribute for me and what I'm looking for in an individual. Are you genuine with it too? Don't spin something, but do I genuinely like you? And are you telling something that I want you, I just want to keep that conversation going. So I'm looking for people that can do that. Not everybody can. Uh, those people that can't, engineering's great for you. Banking's great for you. Um, but if you can spin a tail and build relationships, sales is an awesome opportunity uh, for you. If you're inexperienced, that's really all that I'm looking for. Are you motivated? Are you not afraid to pick up a phone? Because that is also sales. You're going to be told no a lot. So if you have something that I like to call irrational confidence, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that phrase. It's it's the whole Vinnie Johnson narrative of, you know, Vinnie Johnson uh, was this the sixth man for the Detroit Pistons in the late 80s. The microwave. The microwave. And when the microwave got in the game, even though you have people like Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and Hall of Famers and, and all NBA guys on that team, when Vinny got into the game, Vinny thought he was the man. And Vinny thought he deserved to take the ball and shoot it whenever Vinny wanted to, from wherever <laughs> Vinny was with the ball. And that's irrational confidence. Anybody else watching that game is saying, Pass it to one of the best point guards of all time and let him make the plays in Isaiah Thomas. 
But, you know, Vinny had this irrational confidence. And so that's something that I learned early on in my IBM career is to have irrational confidence, have no fear, a lack of fear of failure of somebody saying no to you because it really doesn't matter when you're cold calling uh, or when you're walking around the floor of a convention and shaking hands and trying to build relationships. Odds of you finding that same person ever again and running into them and then having them say, weren't you that individual that awkwardly called me late at night or ran into me at the convention? It's not going to happen. So if you can get past that and have some irrational confidence and you've got charisma, it's the two tools that you really need to be successful in sales. And is, I mean, that's hard to, because it's funny being in some, something where you're selling data mm -hmm. that you're looking for something that's not so easily analyzed or right. put into black and white and finding yeah. you know that irrational confidence how do you how do you help identify that because there's somebody that has irrational confidence and it's completely irrational because they actually can't follow through with it yeah. right like they can interview <laughs> right. they can interview great yes. and then you put them to work and it's like oh man you know there there are there's that certainly can happen is there other kind of filters or little tests and tricks or conversations or things like that, too, that you look for that over all these years of doing this stuff, starting with IBM, uh, ways that you measure that or the ways you can identify that and know, okay, I mean, some of it's gut feel, right? But knowing, okay, this person's got it. Let's get them on, on board. How, yeah. What are some other things that you look for? So that's for? the IQ versus the EQ balance. Mm -hmm. And uh, you certainly can't be void on the IQ side. Uh, and the IQ being, you know, what was your GPA in undergrad? How'd you do on your SATs? We, as being part of the Vista Network, uh, being a, a group that they own, something that they mandate is this uh, this cognitive test that helps do some of the um, the weeding out as well as uh, identifying potential for 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 potential potential new hires. And, and that's all on the IQ side. And those things are important to some degree. For me, less so, I'm much more on the EQ side, the emotional intelligence side. Can you, this is the, can you build a relationship with somebody? Can you morph to be able to uh, handle people from different places and, and perspectives and hold conversations there? Uh, and that's much, much more important to me. But yes, you do have to have minimal thresholds on the IQ side as well. And so did you, did you graduate? Let's start there. Right? <laughs> have you been able to get out of bed every day, hit the alarm, and get a passing grade? Uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's a 2.5 versus a 3.8. To me, less so. Yeah. Maybe if you're on the, the data sciences team here, yes, it matters a lot more. But for, for what I'm looking for, less so. And the you know your target you said you've got different verticals and you've got you know you can you can sell to so many different folks what's the biggest chunk of the business is it selling to media agencies is it selling to to teams what 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 is or is there one yeah uh it, it's it started off selling to teams 36 years ago when we began but now it's very much a digital world so it's you know, imagine without name dropping here, anywhere that you could search for something, those are our customers. Um, you know, the stats as it exists today, we watch sports wherever they're played anywhere around the world, and we turn the action on the court or the ice or the pitch mm -hmm. into data. And then that data is used to power the sports experience for the fans 
wherever the fans and however the fans are consuming it. So you think about all the areas that, that if it's a, a stream, if it's through uh, a social platform that takes pictures and overlays filters, if it's through a search bar, uh, through a browser or any other uh, acquisition point, if it's through a, a brand that's aligning themselves to sport, uh, if it's through fantasy sports and any sort of fantasy games, anywhere sports is experienced uh, as a fan, we are powering those experiences as a B2B. So you may not know stats unless you watch the full broadcast all the way to the end and it says, you know, outfits provided by Sean John and data provided by stats. And that's where you may see our, our brand and our name. But we are ubiquitous in sports. If you like sports, if you've experienced sports, you've experienced us. Going back to finding people on your side in selling, do they need to be heavy sports fans? No. no. Do, do they need to be, well, I guess not need to be, but does being an athlete or a sports fan, either of those things tend to bring more success that they may understand the, what they're selling any better? Or is that more that you have to have the sales skills and understand who you're talking to? What, what's... I hope my that? CFO listens to this, and I'm, I'm going to send him the link afterwards so that he, <laughs> he gets this. But uh, my CFO does not know who Steph Curry is. And that's probably not entirely true. But he's not a massive sports fan, uh, to your question. Do you need to be a massive sports fan to work here? There's a lot of people that are not. It depends what you're doing within an org. We're not unlike any other big businesses that are out there. We build things. We have to go collect against accounts payable. We have to. Right? We have a lot of roles where, uh, if you're if you're looking for a hip and a cool and a growing uh, business in downtown Chicago, and you're not a sports fan, we're still attractive to you. But if you are uh, trying to sell a story, tell a story, tell uh, to a potential prospect or, or a brand, for an example, paint a picture of the future them, if you're Budweiser. Here's what the future you sponsoring sports Budweiser could look like next year. You're going to need to have an understanding of who Steph Curry is, what sport he plays, what elements of that game could be jump shots made, missed, shots taken, uh, distance between Steph and his defender uh, as he's coming around to pick and roll, uh, double down, low block, things like that, the slang of the game, the story of the game. You should understand that if you're going to then go to Budweiser and pitch a story of future them in sport, that's where we need you to have an understanding of, of sports somewhere. Yeah, I was thinking of it in terms of, I talked to a couple of weeks ago, Mike Gordon, the president of the Chicago Wolves, and to him, it can be often a turn off if somebody is coming and going, oh, I'm a huge Wolves fan. I'm a huge yeah. you know, hockey fan. Right. And it's good to have the background, but it's a point of like, well, that's not what we're, we're not in here. You know, that's not your primary responsibility. That it's you interesting that you brought that up. Uh, we were, yeah, I was just meeting with uh, a football team here yesterday that came to visit uh, a, a top 25 uh, team, and they had their, their coaching staff here and coaches want to see sports data and what we do in black and white they don't want us to tell a story around it like i was giving uh the example around budweiser that is an area where 
you know, we want to proactively and creatively right. present but ideas around totally the story of sports. Perspective. From they, a team perspective, they want the black and the white of mm-hmm. the sports. Give us the quantitative behind performance, and we as coaches want to do the interpretation of that. Now, then our job at Stats becomes how do we make searching through that proliferation of data easier for you? And so then it gets to be something that we're really interested in is, is search and retrieval and recommendation. Mm-hmm. And you think about the job or the task of a lot of people in team performance, those video analysts, those uh, data analytics teams, uh, coach is saying they're going to run a short corner three-point play uh, as their go-to play. So I want to see the last 20 times that this basketball team has run that play, video guy go get those for me. Poor video guy is going to be awake at the office all night, combing through video, cutting video. And wouldn't it be easy if that video guy or somebody, even coach, could draw like he does on the whiteboard and draw the play out and then have machines and servers recognize that drawing and pull up all the last 20 times that that play has been run. And so we've turned that into an actual product here. And that's still very much a black and a white thing for a coach. Coach says, I want this black thing. With machine learning, we pull up the aggregate of the last 20 times that that black thing has been done. And then we're also able to pull forward the summation, the outcomes of those 20 times immediately. So all the math behind it. What's the expected point value? How many times do we get a shot? How many times do we turn it over? How many times do we generate a foul? So things that were incredibly tedious, if not impossible, for that coach to have access to before, we're bringing the black and the white to him in a matter of seconds instead of days that he has to wait for that insight. So then coach, again, you can then at this point, coach, make better decisions and tell a better story to your players and your staff around how you want to play your game based on a heck of a lot of insight and time savings that we just delivered to you. Well, and that's where, that's the change in stats and, and you know, all your competitors of what it, it was. It was the data. It was batting averages and field goal percentages right. and, and those kinds of things. And it got more sophisticated on, you know, is it fastball or, you know, the, the speed of the, the pitch and where are they hitting and, and hit charts and things like that. It keeps getting more and more sophisticated. But now you're at, when I was here with that, the Stadia Ventures event, uh, and, and seeing the mapping as you're talking about, it, it's it's crazy that uh, it's come that far already. And that, like you said, you uh, we'll, I'll put a link in on the on the pod here for because it's so visual. I'll put one in so all of you listening can can see a demo of this stuff. But it's it's fascinating uh, and and so empowering. I mean, so that's is is that what most of these teams now coming to you that it's is it a scouting purposes basically of looking at trends from other teams? Is it more looking inward? Is it some of both with that data that how do they, how are they using all yeah, that? It's some of both from a team perspective, they are overrun with data. You get data from us as a tracking partner. If it's humans or our optical cameras that are watching the court and turning that into data. If it's somebody else's optical cameras uh, doing the exact same thing. If it's data from the league, because they're all getting data from the league. If it's uh, other data from other providers, uh, they're overrun by data at this Mm -hmm. point. So the challenges that teams have are uh, help me rationalize that, help me integrate that data, help me make sense of it easily and quickly. 
And once I can just get it organized, and this isn't the coach's job, but somebody over there has to get it all organized. And then when it's organized, this is where it becomes really interesting for a coach. How do I search through and find what I'm looking for in a visual way, in a, in a simple way that, that makes sense to me? And so helping them search, generate a recommendation, find meaning from the data, and then how to visualize that are the next steps in our space. And uh, for me, I'm most excited about how can we represent the story that the data is telling uh, to coaches who a lot of them are still old school and scared of or averse to data. Now that's rapidly changing as well, but how do we make it more friendly to them so they can embrace it? But then also, what's a coach going to do with that once they receive it? They have to go introduce that to somebody else. So how do we make sure there's nothing lost in translation to that 18-year-old freshman kid who's now an outside tackle getting thrown into his first game, and he's got the Alabama defensive end on the other side, and these fancy blitz concepts? How do I teach him just five things this week? I want you to know these five things. And if you can remember these five things, you're going to be able to react much faster, perform better, and we've got a better chance to keep our quarterback upright. Right. You're so taking the, the, the challenge then becomes a visual thing. Yeah. And here's an 18-year-old kid, and, and how have they been learning? Through Madden, right, and games. If it's FIFA and soccer or Madden or NBA 2K, this is a generation that's grown up with all these great visual constructs at their fingertips, on their mobile, uh, playing with, with controllers in their hands. So why don't we teach them through those same sort of tools with all the data that we're sitting on. So that's where I'd like to see us go, and I think that we are moving towards, is teaching through dynamic visualizations uh, that help kids very quickly pick up complex concepts. Well, and that's, that's, that's it, like breaking the complex down and that you're making it uh, an instantaneous feedback now with this data that's in there that you could say, against if when we run this play, this, you, these are, to so the quarterback, or the point guard, you're saying, here's your options. You've got him over here at the elbow. You've got him down low. You've got him at the three-point corner. Here's what your options are. And then if now let's run the last five times we've run it where we went to the three-point play in the corner. And they had terrible success with that or something, right? Then that's where they can start to see. Well, now if you went here, we... You know, when you got it down low because of the high percentage sh shooting, it's, you know, 80% conversion versus 20%. And now everybody can see that. And then I think like the football thing, another great use would be, well, here's, if you went with this swim technique, let's look at that you doing that the last 10 times and what the other guy did. And then when you combated that move with this, that got him to stop. I mean, I think that's what you're talking about, that's right? Exactly that it's, what I'm talking about. it's translating with mm -hmm. that. When did this stuff come really to fruition with all the, the video? Like you talk about the, the optical cameras that uh, in the league sharing that information. Is every NBA team, every NFL team, every MLB team, you know, what, what do they have? What, is the, what do the leagues have? What do you have access to? What do you not have access to with those? Uh, I was surprised being 18 months into this sports data space, and I would imagine most of your listeners are probably thinking that it's further along in uh, acceptance than it really is. There are a lot of teams that haven't embraced a, a data um, really? revolution yet. Uh, many teams have. Some have been on this train for a while. Uh, one that uh, I think I can mention, uh, because they've mentioned us, you know, Patriots. They have invested heavily in data, the data sciences team. Many 
uh, individuals are on Bill, Jell- Bill Belichick's staff in, uh, in the data department. If you watch their uh, Super Bowl highlight video from two Super Bowls ago, when they made that interception against Seattle on the goal line, mm-hmm. and it's obviously the play that turned the Super Bowl around, and they spent... Yeah, why didn't they hand the ball off? The <laughs> significant like time Come on. on this play, and you can go... I think it's an HBO uh, documentary on the Super Bowl. I know it's up there now. I was just going back to it the other week, but they somewhere in the middle, they start talking about this play, and... Malcolm Butler, who made the play, talks about how their data sciences team that week informed coach, if it's this formation, this down and distance, this position of the field, this is the play that they're going to run. And so they knew ahead of time, and they were able to transfer that knowledge on and fr- out of the data onto the practice field, practice against it, and then when they saw it, sure enough, at the perfect opportunity, stepped in front of the ball and made the interception. Right. So some teams get it, embrace it, and are using it, like the Patriots. A lot of teams, not a lot, but they're, they're a minority now, but there are still teams out there that don't. So uh, there's your target right now. There's our target. We, we still them, have right? to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but does, in terms of that, say, look, looking at the NFL, every team through the league has a standardized you know, camera setup in every venue, right? So at the least league, b- baseball does at least, right? Because of the um, sport by sport pitch tracking. Yes, sport by sport, the league has slowly been investing in things like our sport view platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, we initially sold to a couple of the teams six or seven years ago. Then oh, a, couple, that long ago? a couple more the following year. And once we had eight or nine on board, the league looked at that and said, this is a thing. Let's get in front of it. And so then the league did a strategic partnership with us. And then, yes, on behalf of the entire league, we were all of a sudden installed in every arena and there was okay. data sharing. Every team was given the very the same data. Now, some teams invested above and beyond that to help you know, unpack the data, find meaning behind the data with consulting or analytical work that we would do for them. But everybody had a baseline that they would receive. Yeah, that's what. so that's what your partnership with the NFL was then each team received the lead it's and each team received a baseline set of data. And if they wanted a team wanted more, uh, say it's the Patriots, I don't know if they did or not, but that they would then contract with you guys to do break this stuff down. We want to see this or whatever. We're going to work right. together on figuring out what else we can pull. That, out that's right. It's, it's kind of like iron chef, right? There's multiple <laughs> chefs that are competing. Everybody, you know, flips over the curtain and gets the same fish and, uh, and vegetables and spices to be able to create the dish with. Everybody starts with that. Uh-huh. It's always going to be what you do with it. What can you create with that? How, what, what sort of creativity can you cull uh, out of the, you know, these ingredients? Are you interested to, to cook anything at all? Some teams aren't. Um, and, and most are at this point, thankfully for us and our business and what we're trying to do. And then there's a couple that are all in. And not only am I going to cook some dishes, but I'm opening a restaurant with this thing. I'm going all in, and I'm bringing on additional chefs, and we're going to push this out there. And what do your data guys say, that uh, the ones who go deeper with you have more success? Can you talk about that? Can you share some of those numbers? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's that many championship videos that are out there yet that name drop us. But, yes, we've worked with, are working with... Uh, well, I guess just by saying that, the, the big champions that are out there in the major U.S. sports, as well as uh, you know, a couple of recent Champions League teams internationally from a soccer perspective, uh, we're in cricket. Uh, yeah, 
if, if you're playing sports around the world, anywhere in the world, and you understand the potential that data has to give you additional insight to help you with player personnel and, and game scheme, uh, game scheming, then you're probably working with us to some degree. Where did it start? What was the first? Was cricket, football, baseball, what was the first usage of the... It's, is, in a player view, is that the your brand name for it, or was it called something else? Or? In terms of optical tracking, yeah, where did it start? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if we were the founding fathers of that or not. We certainly took it mainstream here in the big four U.S. sports. Mm -hmm. uh, was our sport view package and solution. But this space is changing, just like every space is changing so quickly now with digital and technology. And what used to be hip and trendy and cutting edge seven years ago with sport view is now, that's a commoditized thing. People right. can sit in the stands with iPhones and cameras. And if three people do it in three different corners of a stadium, all of a sudden you can triangulate the action on the court and with some software be able to, to do your own data tracking to an elementary degree, but now you're right. doing it. Right. And the barrier to entry is so low on capture if it's through technology. Now, something that we're working on that is, again, just trying to reset the space and the industry. Right. And uh, I believe if you were at the Stadia event that you referenced earlier, I believe we showed this, and this is on a site we'll make sure that it's, yeah. it's linked to later. But, you know, what if... One of the challenges in tracking players is you have to get players to agree now, and the players' union to agree, to wear a device. And so wearables are oh, a right. hotly negotiated, negotiated thing. Who owns the right to that athlete's movement? Uh, and it's up in the air. It's being negotiated right now. And so that's a challenge. Um, while at the same time, it's becoming somewhat commoditized in capturing it through cameras. Um, and there's also challenges there. It's, it's easy to capture an athlete moving on a basketball court because they relatively stay out of each other's way. But what happens when four, five, ten of them pile on top of each other on a football field? How does a camera that's 100 yards away in the corner of the end zone pick out where the ball is and who's on top of who and the placement of... Right? That's much more difficult. So something that we're working on, and this is what I mentioned earlier that we'd like to link to here for you, is what if you're able to take a, a feed of video, it could be a broadcast, could be uh, the Coach's 22 film in football that's that bird's eye camera, could be any video, uh, and overlay over that video a digital exoskeleton of each athlete that's on the field. So think of, if you've seen Spinal Tap, it's, it's that moment where uh, Nigel and his T-shirt is saying, this is a, an exact representation of my inner workings. It's that digitally <laughs> laying that out uh, over, over a player. Now, think about the use cases here. Well, one, think about the value. No longer do you have to ask a player to wear something in order to be able to track where their arms are, how fast their legs are moving, the angles of which uh, that movement's occurring. We're capturing that by overlaying over a video the broadcast feed, as an example, a digital representation of them. So we remove that. And at that point, once it's shown on broadcast... Oh, it eliminates the ownership it, of the... It eliminates the ownership discussion. <laughs> Supreme Court has said that it becomes news at that point. So it's available for anybody to report against wow. or do what they want to against that, 
that picture or whatever's been captured that's now newsworthy. So we can, we can manipulate it at that point. But think about the use cases. In this digital exoskeleton, I'm, I'm, um, I'm now a baseball player. It's that classic behind the pitcher camera view looking at home plate. And imagine, if you will, podcast listeners now, a pitcher and his arm uh, at a particular angle and throwing a fastball. Now think of pitcher number two with a slightly different arm angle throwing that same fastball. And if we, based on our years in the space, and this is where we have an advantage having 36 years of historical time doing these sort of things, what if then we could say that pitcher A with arm angle A has got three months of life left before he's going to need a Tommy John surgery. Oh, my God, yeah. Versus pitcher B, who's got an ideal arm angle and five years before he's going to need surgery. Theo Epstein, general manager of the Cubs, who do you want to give a five-year contract to for $10 million? That's where this becomes game-changing is when it becomes a predictive element into player health because players are assets. All of a sudden now, these are huge investments and bets that teams are having to make that can make or break the future of a franchise. What if we could give you some, it's not 100%, but a better insight into how that asset's going to perform? Yeah, you're, you're, that's going to be a valuable thing. Well, I think it's also, you know, we talk about black and white, but what there's very little that ends up truly being black and white too, right? Like even you know, Theo Epstein is a perfect example of that. What they've done with the Cubs is, or, or you know, Billy Bean and Moneyball of, you know, there's some value to the gut. There's some value to what the eye sees. There still is that. But combining these two and finding the right way, that that's where I think of with the football coaches. They don't want the story spun. And I think that's important to them because I think they're spinning some of their own story in their head that as long as they're then willing to read that info and, and not continue to have some bias and dismiss it that, you know what, the, we need to run a different play here or the wrong kid is in the game or whatever it is, that is, the, is a hard hump for people to get over. Yeah. And you are empowering with multiple probably, I guess you'd say multiple touch points of answers with that, okay, we can look at this and this and this, and it says you really need to be running this play or throwing this pitch or whatever, right? And how do you get to going back to the sales piece of this? Like, how how are you getting through to some of these guys, the old school, the teams? How are you ending up changing their minds? Is it as simply, look, well, we we work with so-and-so and so-and-so and and who's won the last three World Series. That's probably about the best way to do it. But if you can't do that, then how are you changing these guys' minds? Sure, a customer referral that's holding a Super Bowl trophy is always a powerful thing. Yes. Uh, no, so it's a great question, and this is the challenge. And so the the, the position, and it, it sounds salesy, but it's really not. It's This is additive in what we're bringing to the table. It's not to replace. It's to augment what you're doing already. And think of it then as uh, a scarcity of resources issue. And if the resource is your video guy's time and trying to cut plays for the coach to get those three or five play sets that he wants to review with the team to help them be ready for the opponent's go-to move in that night's game, we can now do that in seconds versus hours. But then what does that video guy do with the remainder of his time? He doesn't disappear. He moves on to something that's different or, uh, or strategic in another way for the organization. Uh, and so it's not to replace, it's, it's to augment. I give another example 
from a scouting standpoint, yes, that gut that you referenced earlier, always critical, always has to be there. It's, it's difficult to quantify the gut feel, but what can technology and machine learning and data, uh, big data do in this space of scouting is we can bubble up underserved areas uh, faster than, uh, than the scouting department is going to be able to travel around to these remote sections and check out every lead, big or small. So now big data and machine learning against that data can say, hey, there's this, there's this junior hockey guy in Manitoba uh, that has you know, a skate speed uh, higher than average and has put uh, 32 into the back of the net in the last uh, half a year. He's probably worth getting some eyes on and getting that gut check on. So it's helping then direct a scarcity of resource time uh, into areas that might be interesting to the organization that they would have missed before because... They've been trying to manage things in, in ways that worked for years, but now you've got technology that can help create shortcuts. So take advantage of those wherever you can. Finding the kid in Manitoba. Um, that is a Canadian thing, right? I, I've tried to pull out off the cuff. I like to, a I like Canadian. to use Is that a province or a city? I'm throwing all of Canada under the bus. Don't, don't, don't the moment, put the spotlight on that because right. I don't know the answer to it either. Okay. Um, we, we both... Um, don't look like we're, look like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> With that, like, is that where things are trending? Is further, you know, turning over new stones and identifying new opportunities? Where do you see in talking to teams or media uh, or um, leagues or just whatever research is and, and work is going on here? Where are things going? What's the next thing you're excited about, or the next thing you think is coming um, that that you know keeps you guys at the front? Mm -hmm. Is going to change further the way the game is? games are played what, what's out there yeah so much and it depends what area of sports and sports consumption we're talking about if it's teams i think it is insight beyond what is standard or orthodox that they're getting from the league remember everybody gets that that same plate of fish and vegetables to create something with so uh what can we invest in as a team that's analytics that's insight against that data or even additional data uh, that we're not getting uh, as standard from the league. And so that's what teams are interested in is that additional insight. Uh, and that's coming from consulting and it's coming from uh, different data points of, of, of view. Also being able to, again, save time for them if it's in scouting or video uh, is, is a big interest area. And then I think the area that I mentioned earlier uh, in visualization and teaching is the area that will be next that the, we're, we haven't even gotten those questions yet. Even from the right. customers that get big data in sports, they haven't started to get into visualizations as a teaching tool yet. And I think that that's coming next. Now, I don't think, I think the answer to this is no, but that made me think of virtual reality. That's not something that you're... Are you in any kind of partnerships on something like that? Like the Striver guys are working. I saw them on the front page of the Tribune mm -hmm. sports section here working with the Bears and other teams on quarterback training. That's mm -hmm. what made me think of that. Yeah. Is that a logical next step? Is that actually happening now? What's Some teams love it. Some teams don't. Uh, maybe it's the next thing. Uh, VR has been around now for a while. Right. The, it, it's having a hard time getting some traction uh, for reasons that... I, I'm not close enough to to have a, an educated uh, you know opinion on more than a guess, but uh, I would I would say that yes we do have a couple of partnerships 
uh, and we love to to deliver sports stories wherever they're consumed, however they're consumed. And if somebody wants to consume it through a virtualized reality experience or an augmented experience, uh -huh. yeah, we want to do that too. I don't know that that's the next thing within team sports is VR or AR. Right. Um, I just uh, just thinking of that because it's like if you combine that where you're really immersed as the quarterback or the, the pitcher or whatever, imagining the next step of plays and between the data, all the history you've got, being able to pull up like, okay, we're gonna, well, this is the play that's called, and then the defense shows, you know, they're showing this to the quarterback, what is actually, if I do this, then what, is, what's, what do they typically do? What's the best outcome or scenario that I need to be doing this, or what am I not seeing that may have had a higher likelihood of succeeding? And you combine that with like I was just thinking of the kids these days, but with the the video games mm -hmm. and those headsets, mm -hmm. that becomes a much easier way versus us old school guys that would look at it in a in a three ring binder mm -hmm. with X's and O's drawn on the piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, I, the three ring binder has to go. There's much better ways. If it's through an iPad, if it's through some sort of experience that you can drag and drop uh, defenders to different locations. Now the cornerback is 12 yards off versus playing bump and run, uh, again, through a flattened iPad experience or through a virtual reality goggle experience. I'd like to think that those would work as well. For some reason, it hasn't, it hasn't yet with yeah. teams. And when you say you have partnerships in place, is that sometimes on teams or or um, yeah, I guess it would probably be teams that you would have providing, you have deals with them providing them data that they could then, they lay that stuff into when they're running plays, what scenarios, what are the best outcomes. That's where you, you also, with all this history data and everything, you can provide that stuff. Yes. And then if it needs to be real time, you can do that, right? Right. Well, we're not to the real time step yet. That's sure. That's a great possible future point. But yeah, our partnerships to this point exist with a couple people that are in the VR space providing the, the goggles and then the software that mm -hmm. serves up the experience that is then seen through the goggles and, and augmenting those experiences. Yeah. Well, very cool. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I, I kind of jumped all over the place, I feel like, that, uh, did, you know, did I miss anything of, of stuff that, you know, we talked about or you were thinking about ahead of time? So much in, in sports. We've talked a lot about teams. Again, we've been doing this for 36 years. We know a lot of the teams. We work with a lot of the teams. We know a lot of the broadcasters. A couple have owned us, Fox Sports, over the years. Right. Know those guys, work with those guys uh, intimately well. Same thing with fantasy. If you're uh, a fan that does fantasy in any sort of flavor, you're probably using our stuff um, that's powering those experiences. But another area that I'm really passionate about, excited about, is the potential of storytelling in brands or alongside of brands that are interested in sports. It's an underserved space, in my opinion. And uh, there's a lot of, if it's second screen, if it's uh, deeper analysis behind the game that Joe Buck is just not talking about on the broadcast because he's keeping it at the Joe Buck level that a fan could could get through a branded uh, you know app or whatever it is. Hmm. There's so many more ways to enjoy a game. As if somebody's a sponsor of the 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 Bears or the NFL, and then this would be a way they'd activate every, it every for league, fan experience. Every team has at least huh. a dozen corporate sponsors. We right. all know who they are. They run those commercials in between all the good stuff. And so if it's IBM or Coca-Cola or Pizza Hut or Mercedes or any of those guys, 
yes, experiences are ready for somebody to come in and say, uh, hey, stats, we know that you've got this predictive outcome uh, ability. And so you could show over the course of a game, we'll go back to the Super Bowl and say that when uh, the Falcons were up 28 to 3, what are, the, <laughs> what are the odds of the Patriots being able to come back at this point? It's quantifying that experience that's in your soul as a Patriots fan or a Falcons fan for that matter at that point in the game. And so what if it were the Mercedes gut sports gut check index? Uh, and so now all of a sudden Mercedes is a part of the game instead of just being uh, somebody on the sidelines floating a logo in a passive way right. at the game. Or it's even that the commercial breaks or you're, you're getting really the commercial even during actions uh, basketball or um uh nfl would not be good because they have the full breaks but it's say the nascars or golf events or something that just continues to roll even during commercial breaks that's a great way that you could stay on and be sponsoring that piece either staying live or it's two screen experience or something like that i'm surprised that there hasn't been more of that, you got to get to work on that. <laughs> We're trying to. I need sales heads first. All right, so, so that's let's, a good. Let's get some salespeople in here. We've got stories let's, to tell. Let's get to let's get to that as a way to kind of finish up. That if somebody's interested in in getting in touch with you and being uh, getting on board at, at Stats, there's obviously Stats.com, right? Is like the web website. I got that right. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, go and look through there. Go reach out to you. Reach out to human resources. What's what's a way to make sure they're best uh, starting point for getting on the radar? Go on the website. Absolutely. There's things that are posted. We're moving so quickly that what's posted is is almost old at this point. I'd say that, and this is regardless of stats. So. Uh, you know, kids out there, take it from Uncle David, uh, a piece of learning. Uh, reach out through network first. That's relationships are always going to be the best way to get into anywhere. If you're selling uh, yourself or selling what you have in your current job to a potential prospect, things like LinkedIn and then just old-fashioned networking is always the best. So, yeah, yeah I would say... I mean, that's how I started with stats. I, I saw the Sports Illustrated article, poked into my network. Who do I know? And if this is interesting to you, if stats is interesting to you, certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn. Reach out to anybody at stats through LinkedIn uh, or any other tools that you have available to you that you find right. us and if living you, it's in. It's not even a dead end. If you don't even have a contact at stats, you start seeing who your second degree person is. And that's then right. right. Oh, I see, Chris, you're connected to David. Can you help me get it? Or what do you know about him? Can you help me get an introduction? Those kinds of things. That's right. Because otherwise, the resume is the resume, and it can sit in a pile without, if there's not somebody that's flagging it, it's very hard these days for it to stand out. That's right. right? And if you're going through any corporation's uh, HR team, not to disparage HR teams, but right. they get hundreds and right. hundreds of requests. Well, they're filling so many positions with a times X of the just you know unsolicited type stuff that it's hard to keep up with it, really. Right, right. If, if only they had an optical tracking system that would look <laughs> at resumes and identify keywords and pull those individuals up to the top. Uh, you know, I would say use your network. Use, you know, I'm always on LinkedIn. A lot of people here are, so reach out that way. 
Anything else? Uh, I, th- I think I-, I found this to be a great chat. Anything else that I'm... I'm I had a know? lot of fun. I'm hoping that... W- w- can people upvote these things and, and bring favorites back? Uh, can we roll this again? Absolutely. All right. I'm in. I love this. I am in. It's going to be... This is going to be a big hit, I can tell. Thank you so much for making the time for me, David Ladd. Happy to do it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for being on the Painless Podcast. Hope you enjoyed my chat with David. As Uncle David says so well, network, 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 get in the door, whether that's stats or anywhere else. Don't forget to check stats.com slash careers for specific opportunities with them. Um, In the pod description, we've also got a link to the case studies that you can check out. Um, Some amazing tech data stuff that uh, Stats is doing. Also, reminder for any spike ballers, get 50% off team entry into Spikeball Nationals in Chicago, October 14th with the code PAINLESS. Get to usaspikeball.com today to get your spot. Use that code painless. Get in for half price. All right. Thanks for listening. 25 painless podcasts. Awesome. Already in the feed. CSN Chicago's TK Gore. Talks sports and digital. Z Crutes Ben Weiss. But talks about making college football recruiting smarter with his startup. And on the subject of startups, how about Adam Grossman from Block 6 talking about Block 6 analytics and how they're taking uh, sponsorship valuations and measurement to a new level. Plus the first two episodes of The Fade Away we talked about at the beginning, Dion Thomas, Eric Schmidt in the painless feed. First one catches you up with D. Second one has tons of great stories with Lou Henson. Also check your inbox for the painless networking email blast that went out today, which would be August 16th. All right, subscribe, review, rate, pod, so you don't miss any painless pods or the fadeaway in the future. And I'm out of here. Until next time, it's Chris Hartwig saying stay connected, friends. Stay connected, friends.